Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co slash PMC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our recently launched Substack, the Planet Microcap Newsletter, for free at microcapnewsletter.substack.com. I'll be sharing all recent podcast episodes from Planet Microcap and Due Diligence. Plus, every Sunday, I put out our weekly Microcap wrap to show how the Microcap space has performed every week and compared to the broader markets based on data from the Microcap Review Index. Again, to subscribe for free, go to microcapnewsletter.substack.com. For this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I spoke with entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and host of Panic with Friends podcast, Howard Linson. When I was first getting my feet wet in the business and learning about the stock market, StockTwits was one of the first platforms I used. This was back in 2011 before Twitter and FinTwit became what it is today. So to say I've been a fan of Howard is an understatement. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. The idea of FinTwit, for better or worse, began with Howard. In our conversation, we chatted about a wide variety of topics, including what staying in the investing game looks like for him, his criteria for new potential investments, and his thoughts on current events in finance. This was an awesome experience for me, and I'm really stoked Howard took the time to talk with me. Thank you again for tuning in to episode 231 of the Planet Microcap podcast, and please enjoy my conversation with Howard Linzon. This episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense. You can find them at streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G dot co backslash PMC. Stream is an expert interview transcript library that is starting to become an integral part to investors' research process. They have a number of interviews on a wide variety of companies, including TMT, consumers, industrials, real estate, and more. Stream provides over 300 expert interviews per week, and 70% of their experts are found exclusively on Stream. Stream is unlike any other transcript libraries. Stream integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Stream's community of experts and thought leaders partner with Stream to build their professional brands and expand their industry influence. Right now, there are approximately 8,500 plus call transcripts available. For more information, please visit www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co backslash PMC. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Planet Microcap podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft, B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is entrepreneur, uh, venture capitalist, Howard Linsan. He's the founder, in my opinion, of the FinTwit movement. Uh, some of my earliest days getting to know investing in the world of stocks was being on the StockTwits platform and learning everything there. So, you know, this is a real honor for me. And not only that, we got a special guest. We got Lindsay joining us too. So, you know, Howard, thanks Lindsay. so much. Yeah, she, uh, I'm home alone with my puppy. My kids are, my wife's working in Phoenix and my kids are out of the house. So I'm living the life. You are living the life. You're in Coronado, right? Yes, this is my, uh, lucky I have a beautiful home office uh, in the trees here in Coronado, a block from the beach, so pretty lucky. Very cool. I, I went to UCSD for undergrad, so uh, I, very I, miss, cool. I miss it very much. It's, uh, it's, it's the best. But um, like I said, the, I, I, I kind of got my start in the business, you know, really going on stock twits and understanding everything. But, you know, I, for me, as somebody that's, that's watched your career, has envied everything that you've built, you know, and I've listened to your podcast and a few interviews and in prep for today. But you know, for those that don't know your background and and your passion for investing, where did that all begin? And 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 how did you find that spark that this is what you really wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, these are all good questions because I have so many nephews and nieces, and and part of my job today is recruiter. And so half of my time, I'm you know, luckily my kids we've done we've done enough good enough job that we're like. If, like we're they're excited about their future and we are and but we all make so much fun of millennials and gen z in general but like they've gotten a bad rap because it's not their fault that uh, the iphone the, that smartphones exist it's like they didn't ask for it they were just born with it and um so that's our that's kind of like the tobacco uh obviously it's better than tobacco but it's its own poison and so we've given these young people um, you know, and the most addictive kind of interface ever created, but it's also like a magic wand, like can't take it away. So we, you know, so, you know, if we, you said that like, uh, you know, my job is to kind of, you know, being as lucky as I was to be around on the internet and just being alive and surfing this humongous bull market, you know, until recently, um, part of my job is just making sure that we motivate and inspire. Um, we don't want, I don't want to be envied because uh, I'll tell it to anybody who asks, like I was born on third base. So it's like, I think too many people are like gloating about stuff when we were, most of us in the United States were born on third base. So we, I don't want to be envied. We just want to be kind of responsible and like motivate people that like, there's so much that can be done. You know, and I complain on the internet all the time too, more, more for laughs, but like there's some magic happening in so many ways. Um, and just like this stuff happening, you started out, you liked our product, you didn't, you know, you didn't know. And, and that's cool. We, we respect that. Like that's part of the community of all this stuff. So paying it forward is just part of the gift of this stuff. It doesn't take that much time to have a 30 minute conversation. We'll probably both get smarter. Uh, your your super fans hopefully will enjoy it, and that's how kind of the internet works. Absolutely. So then, what was it at that time? Because I remember, I think um, I'm trying to remember what interview I listened. To. I think it was the one that you did with uh, Jason Rasnick from Benzinga, where okay. you were talking about how in your it wasn't until your 30s that you're yeah. like, all right, 
This is well, I, I know what my passion is. Yeah, I mean, how can you not notice a shift where, you know, if if this was my home office in my 30s, there'd be 70 file cabinets, a bunch of shelves, paper, pads, a fax machine. Um, whiteboard, whiteboards? Whiteboards were around then, right? Whiteboards. Okay, so right. They shouldn't have any of this stuff, but, like, look at the world we live in. So I'm living in the cloud, right? Yeah. Like, it, literally and physically and digitally. <laughs> And so to be born into that, like kids won't know what a file cabinet was. You know, when I ran my hedge fund in the days and that's what I started out doing, it was just like, you had to save things for seven years. You just had like, your life was like stapling and taping and paint and filing. And oh my God, like, you know, so people always talk about valuations and boom and the cloud. And I'm like, guys, we're still trying to figure out what these things are worth because we can't believe how dumb it was before the cloud, how, how bad life was before the cloud. Right. Before the cloud. I mean, my job was like everybody else. Most businesses fail because you were out of business before you started. Cause you had so many costs to get an office and you had to get business cards and you had to get a fax machine. You had to get, wait two weeks for like us West to show up or whoever your cable provider was. And you had $3,000 a month and phone bills and, fucking forget about it, right <laughs> like it was the dark ages and even though you know what i mean and 100 percent, yeah so I'm, the, I'm i'm on the older end of millennials so i i still have some i still have some recollection of those pre-self there no entrepreneurship there was like phil knight you know i tell people they should read that book because one of my favorites that's a true entrepreneur yeah that's what it was like you didn't see your family you drank you partied you you, you there was no me too just guys were guys and idiots and they were entrepreneurs. And what was an entrepreneur? It wasn't fucking glamorous. The guy, guy had the worst life. No, you're grinding. Years, it was a different kind of grind. You get to $10 million in revenue, like yeah. you know, kids today. So again, not to blame the kids today. How can they relate? Right? Even if they read Phil Knight's book, could they respect it? Because they don't have to do it. You can open up China with like, you know, the, no employees, right? Just a, a fucking website. So, and you're going to get a VC call and you're saying, oh, it doesn't matter what I did. Like, so long story short, it doesn't matter what I did. There was nothing, there was pre cloud and it was just a shitty life. (laughs) Now, we went outside and we played with friends and we played board games. And and you can go watch Seinfeld and see what life was like (laughs) with the internet. And then there's the internet where nothing's funny. Everybody's an expert and everybody can make a living. It's fucking magical. It was- literally, there is no background. Like we didn't, we went outside and we played games and we played street games and now we don't. Hmm. And, and both were amazing, but you can't put it back in the bottle. You're not going to make kids go out and play, you know, neighborhood games with their friends. Right. Yeah. So you can't, why even talk about it? It it just can't come back. So, like, so when America you're great again, how do you make America great again? No, I don't. No one likes their neighbors because they've never interacted with them. So when you're talking to your, you know, to your your kids, niece, and the next generation, and they're they ask you this kind right of question, question, they're just like they're like they don't ask. They so don't ask. Parental <laughs> advisor, don't tell your stories to your kids. They will ask eventually because this is the magic of it. Because they can't relate. They don't understand when not having, you can't say, oh, you're not paying attention. How can a parent understand what it's like having a drug like this born into their hands? And by the way, you hooked them on it because you weren't watching while they're in the crib. 
and you know you were doing Adderall, getting your email out because of COVID, and your kid was just scrolling on YouTube, looking at fucking porn or whatever, or games or or, or whatever. So, and now you're going to tell your kid that they had to manage that addiction? I just think no. But oh, the I'm real, curious. the I, real I, thing to answer your question, for yeah. My now that I'm older, fifty six, and my daughter's in her twenties. Now she's fascinated, but she doesn't want to hear the stories from me. She's fascinated being around my friends and us talking about the old days and my friends making incredible fun of me about like my weird habits. And she now has context for the, even though I would never have made up the story, she totally sees what life was like through a group of us. And she, she's not being told the story, like listen to how life was because our lives were good. We didn't have right. war. We didn't have to go to Vietnam or World War II. So our lives were good, but they don't care. But they, when they hear stories, they fucking now, now they're old enough and they just, then they want to know kind of how crazy I was or what, how weird we were or how stupid. We so were. How did this guy turn into what he is right now? Like, I need to understand this. But I think they will come around. I would tell young parents is like, don't tell them. <laughs> they will come around and figure it out but there's pre-cloud and post-cloud I mean it just is I wonder if there's a new era now too like I've I had two kids you know like in COVID and you know um a lot of my daughter's experience in getting to know some of her family members was on the iPad you know doing the FaceTimes you know so it wasn't um like like if we had our druthers obviously we'd be like all right let's you know wait a little bit with the screen time and everything like that. But we had to do it right away just so that she can have that experience and know her, her family, or at least kind of hear their voice and know what they talk about. So I wonder if this next era is, is something even, I mean, it will be, but it, yeah, it'll be I mean, interesting that was, to see where it goes. COVID was your war. That was your, your generation parental in certain age groups just got fucked. Mm. And listen, World War II, they sent kids overseas. And- yeah. They got shot the first minute on the ground, right? Like, I mean, this, so people complaining, I'm like, all right, that was our war. If you're complaining about this war, I mean, go back and look at, go watch Schindler's List, oh, yeah. go watch, you know. Um, saving Private Ryan or something. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Like, that's about the closest you can get. Like, I, you know, you know, I, 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 you know, as a Jewish person, I, I wanted to get my son to, to understand Middle East. So I said, why don't you watch Fauda? Because, you know, as a Jew, you think that's the Middle East. Or go to Israel. I was just there for a few weeks. He watches Fauda and he's like Jewish. And he's like, I don't get it. These people, why are they? Like, they all look the same to me. Uh, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Hello? That's a Jewish kid who's who feels loyal to Israel. And he doesn't understand what the hell's going on. Like, why are we fighting? You know what I mean? And so that's that's the issue. Has he, has could, he done Has he done birthright yet? Has he done yeah, that? He loved it. But I'm saying yeah. you guys had this crazy battle uh, with COVID. You were stuck at home. My kids, luckily, it was a great time for me. So I don't know. I got lucky. Like, but I definitely have empathy for parents. And who knows what the divorce rates will be and what the social problems are going to be from this. But I watched my daughter work from home for a year as her first job, and it wasn't healthy. I felt bad for it. Like, I mean, but it was great for me. I had my daughter around. But Making my daughter, being the coach, the first mentor of my daughter is the wrong thing for a parent to be, right? Like I'd done my job and now I had my daughter at home. Now, I got all the benefits of it, but it wasn't good for my daughter. So it wasn't good for a lot of age groups for different reasons. It was a perfect uh, storm for rich 
people like me who had an excuse to stay at home and do nothing if they wanted to and pick up a hobby or get in shape or just eat like a pig. I don't know. It was the greatest. I, I felt guilty at some level about that, but you guys had it hard. I don't know how you deal with it. You lost two years of your life to bad leadership, but also some miracles. So who yeah. knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I, I need, I know from our perspective, we're, we're making the best of it. You know, like what else can you do? Right? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think, think we did pretty good considering the horrific behavior by our leaders, uh, the complete misinformation that didn't need to happen. And I blame Twitter and Facebook for that. You know, when we were kids, I blame the founders. This is why I'm so tough on Jack and, and Zuckerberg, because they themselves had the power to put an emergency broadcast message, a consistent one at the top of Twitter. And you didn't have to open six links to get to it. You know, when we were kids, you knew that if you turned on the TV and that screen went blank, you were going to get a message and you trusted that message because I would never fuck with that message, you know, that medium. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't we do that? Like, there's no excuse. And you can't blame it on Trump or one side or the other. It's just, I blame them all. And we should be mad. Um, but I'm also mad at Jack and Zuck. They're private companies. And they could have said, listen, we have enough smart people. We're going to deliver a consistent message of how to get help. You know what I mean? And still, 100%. No one took responsibility. And everybody was the enemy. And that just for the type of war that we were fighting where people didn't have to die at the scale that they had to die, you know, that's, we should be yeah. pissed. Do you think Twitter, do you think that will change now with, with, uh, you know, with the Elon Musk taking a private and all that stuff? Do you think that'll change or not? I mean, the culture is the culture. Maybe if they fired 4,000 people and had a different business model. Yeah. And, but what are the odds? You know, I wrote this and it's like the song, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing company, amazing product, amazing everything. It's just uh, not perfect. Right. Um, like the government itself. Yeah. I'd like to take a quick second to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Quarter. With Quarter, you get frictionless access to conference calls, investor presentations, transcripts, and earnings reports from markets all around the world, straight from your pocket for no cost. Quarter's mission is to change the way people look at investor relations and create a completely new bridge between companies and stakeholders. The first step on this journey is to let you, the user, interact with the company's content while you're listening. Visit your app store of choice and try it out today by searching for Quarter. And that's Q-U-A-R-T-R. -R. Now back to the show. So one in in one interview that you did with uh, with the compound guys that and you talked about this point I thought it was super interesting and you know especially even just talking today and and some of the answers that you, that you gave to some of my initial questions is the idea of staying in the game and wanting to stay in the game you know for you what does that what does that mean you know how do you how what are what are some of your resources what are the things that you're looking at that help you um, with staying in the game and and maybe thinking a bit continuing to think more futuristically. Yeah, really good question because it's different for all of us. Sure. It's almost mean to stay, stay in the game. I know that. Like, it's like yoga. Like, we all have these, like, you know what it means, but in, anybody could get mad or thrilled that you said it. And I get why, because it's like, depends on the mood of the guy reading, stay in the game. <laughs> like, you know, I get it. Um, 
To me, it means, you know, what's your risk profile, right? Like, who are you competing against? Keeping up with the junk. Meaning, I, I, as a bad career choice was a hedge fund manager because that was what an entrepreneur kind of was in the financial world pre-internet. If you wanted to be an entrepreneur, I mean, you weren't a banker, you had friends that had money, you'd convince them to give you money and charge two and 20. Terrible, terrible life decision because of quality of life and how stupid the, the career is. But, but it staying in the game means, you know, what is your risk profile? How much, like, so really comes down to cash, right? Like, who are you competing against? Like, are you competing against the S&P? Like, really? Uh, and if you are, what the S&P is 10 to 12% a year. And if you want to get market returns, stock market returns, which has all the smartest people in it, all the people in it, like it's very hard to get alpha, let's be honest. Uh, maybe in a bull market, you can get some great alpha or in a really bad bear market, you can get some alpha, right? The indexes work and they work because the math and they work because how many people are in the game and they work just because it's a pretty good strategy. Uh, it's kind of a momentum strategy. So like, what are your expectations? If you want, and so the stock market isn't to get rich. So this has been all, it's about the retaining wealth and diversifying wealth, right? It's a tool for people that are wealthy. And I think people think still that it's a game to get rich and they constantly, that's what creates these cycles. Um, and it's just unfortunate, but that's, it's not horrible. It's just human nature. Right. And so staying in the game means like, what are you real? Like if you, if you really think you could do 20% a year, trust me, I, I, I would try and talk people out of it because it won't make them happy. And over 30 years, it does make a difference, of course, but the odds of you beating the market for 30 years are low. So you're going to have more volatility trying to do that. So really like, why are you doing what you're doing? And is that the best use of your time? And stand, so that's part of staying in the game is like being in the game and choosing the right path. And then the other part is like, what's the proper amount of cash? Because if you're not competing, take the amount of money you want to risk and then try and beat the game aggressively using a smaller amount of money, right? Because then if you get 20%, you feel like you played the game. And, but if you're wrong, you didn't blow up 20% of your portfolio. So I just think Picking how you're going to play the game matters and really being honest to like what your risk profile is matters and nothing replaced, especially in the United States for now until the game changes. Cash is cash, not Bitcoin is cash. Gold isn't cash. Apple isn't cash. Cash is cash. And it could be trash and it could be your best friend, but it's, it's definitely in America cash. There is no comparison. And everybody's been selling people on this other idea of it and uh, pretty dangerous. And now we're seeing in this bear market, the cash is cash. Like I'm in a lot of cash and it doesn't feel, definitely feels good. It feels stupid because I know I'm going to lose money on it. I understand what inflation is, but in a bear market, who cares about inflation? Because you're still ahead of the game. And right. so the few times, and so, yeah, that's stay in the game. Gotcha. And then for you, I mean, what does your risk profile look for you look like for you right now as well? You know, because I, you know, you put it posted on Twitter even today, you know, you're looking for legit quality web three uh, projects out there and stuff like that. Um, so what what does your risk profile look like right now? Uh, I'm always very aggressive. 
Yeah. Very, uh, now it's about time. So it's all about like, I'm 56. So do it. If I'm going to put 10 years, which is what it takes to build a great company into something, I'll be 66. So it better be a good risk reward for my time because, you know, it's not about how much I did. Do I need to make 30% or 80%? I don't know if I worry about that, but if it's a difference between 10% and 30%, that's a huge difference. To yep. Me. Because you can make 10% of the market over 10 years. Theoretically. <laughs> so it has to, like, we're not seeing that type of return profile, which is why I've been so quiet. Because for me to take a risk, I want to be able to make 30 to 80% with the small amount of money that I attach to it. But if you're going to tell me I can make 10%, play the same game, I just can't play the game. And that's the hardest part of my job, which is not sexy or rewarding because no one thanks you for not writing checks. But I would, <laughs> the most important part of investing is not investing sometimes. Absolutely. Sometimes. And it may only be once during your career, luckily, or for me, it's already three or four times where you just, the less you do, the better you do. Um, and you only need to be really wrong once. So, and you only need to be really right once. And so you got to be really careful when you put your chips in. hundred percent. Like my dad always says, there's always another bus. Always oh, another opportunity always machine. Another bus. Call it the opportunity machine. Like do do be in position because the opportunity machine living in America is endless. I mean, you probably, I mean, you see probably more as much, if not uh, as much deal flow as anyone. Right. I mean, so what's, what's some of the stuff that's been uh, coming to your desk that that's been, that that's been, I guess, uh, the similar theme or, or, or that, that, that a yeah, lot of for a while, like, cause you know, just, not to bore you, but like we live in a world where this transition hasn't happened, right? The web yeah. is good. The web is somewhat broken. We saw that with COVID, but it still works. It just you right. have to know how to drive it, right? Because now it's not self-driving. It's just not self-driving. If you leave it to self-driving, you get a Twitter timeline or a Facebook timeline, and that's not self-driving. That's corruption and 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 uh, bias self-induced by how you actually look at the world, right? You just don't want to believe that that's how you look at the world. So I think what excites me about Web3 and, and also scares me is it's the biggest opportunity to come along for us, like people that just like narrow, weird, fun, everything that we like to do, but curated by us. But everybody f- that is unhappy with web two thinks it'll just be web two done better, which is just completely as we're seeing overfunded, overcapitalized, uh, butchered, uh, um, totally packaged it in a way that is like going to, gonna, you know, the expectations can't meet the, what the product offers so far. So, so we have nothing but a, like we have a bubble on top of a bear market, which is I've never seen that. And a lot of smarter people than me aren't saying it that way, but they haven't stayed like, you know, um, I just did a great interview. He said, I've never seen anything like this, but he's older. So he can't explain why. And it's because there's a bear market and a bubble. That's fucking bananas. We haven't even popped the bubble, right? Like that's bananas. Usually the bear market, the bear bubble pops and you get a bear market. We're in a bear market and there's still like two or three bubbles going on. You know, it, and what's super interesting about that is because, you know, I'm in micro caps. So, you know, if if we were in one of these bull markets, but there was, you know, bubble sudden burst, 
you know you'd be seeing a thousand IPOs on web, you know, web three solutions right now. And you know, they went public on a TSX venture or something like that. And yeah. you know, having all those types of solutions. That hasn't been as frequent yet because of, I think some of what you're saying. Well, there's the not in the private markets, the bubbles in people, it's like Wiley Coyote, the cartoon, you see him over the cliff, you know he's gonna fall. You know, they can have him spinning his wheels for as long as they want in the cartoon, but it's gonna and we're at that point and the cliff just keeps like, it's, I can't believe everybody's still spinning. Yeah. It's a magical levitation going on. Uh, the public markets are doing a better job of pricing it than the, than the private markets. So it's weird that I, my big mistake, like it hasn't cost me fortune is that I thought they'd be better connected with all the people that are smart and people would quickly see, oh, the public markets are down 70%. Let's reprice the private market. No, it's just horrific. Uh, I don't know what it is, denial or... Uh, it's just, I cannot believe the repricing hasn't happened. And so, therefore, the bubble is maybe worse in the private markets than, than, than it was six months ago. Uh, so I don't know how that pops. Uh, and it could be right as we speak, or it could be in six months, or maybe it just happened. I, I, I don't feel like pricing has adjusted to the valuations of the public markets, which are still overvalued, but at least it's popped. Like, right. And I think part of the problem is founders coming out of Stanford, they don't follow the stock market. So they just saw what their last class of founders made. And they go, well, this is what I'm entitled to. And it's up to the people like us to explain to them then what the market looks like, which is why I get so mad of like CNBC and all these companies tearing down as in Robinhood and all these guys, like as an investor in Robinhood, my whole idea was like, let's teach people how to learn the language of the market. It's been bastardized by the company and by the media and by, you know, you build it up and tear it down. All it was, was an app to teach you green, red, you know, and they've turned it into the enemy. Okay. That's shame on the company and shame on the investors and, the media and whatever, but really we need these things to teach people how the markets work. And um, so that's unfortunate because it's a great tool that should help people understand how markets work and how pricing works. Cause this is all about how do you price things? Cause the faster we price things, right. The better the markets will work because it brings money off the sidelines. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you talk about this disconnect between public and private markets right now and how we haven't really seen it in private markets. I mean, is that just really smart money kind of saw what was happening? Maybe they li- they pulled their money out so that they're a bit more liquid. No, smart money, like- including me, did the dumbest of all things. Not 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 that I could blow up the firm because I, I really like the idea of crossover investing. I really felt mm-hmm. like especially if you started in the public markets. Okay, I, 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 now I'm not so sure because of all the bad returns from Tiger and SoftBank. But like, I thought public market guys would be so much smarter at this because they understood risk management and they understood bubbles and they understood how to price things because the market prices. You know what I mean? Instead, they're the, the sloppiest private investors of all time. Like, yeah. So. Going, go, I want to continue this conversation on Web three because you, again, you tweeted about it a little bit this morning, and you know, looking at some projects that you think are interesting. I mean, what, what do you think is kind of the low hanging fruit that will help maybe take the general public from understanding like where we're at right now to then being like, all right, this is kind of where we're going and why. 
we also need this. You know, what, what is your thought process there? We have to show, create projects that inspire people that they can copy. We need people to copy each other, right? Everybody's like, oh, I gotta build something so unique and secretive and stealth. You know, the web three part of it is like, here's my code. Like, cause I don't have, I'm not gonna raise 10 million and hire 600 people before I have product market fit. I'm gonna show you how to do something. And my code is here. And if you can do it better, you know, if the eighth mouth gets the cheese, that's what the web should be. It shouldn't be like first one in, crowd everybody out. It's not like basketball. Where you, I mean, sure, it's a game, but that was web two. Web three is going to be not that you can beat Facebook or Google. So everybody thinks that we can beat Facebook, Google, Apple. They'll beat themselves eventually. Like you can't beat them. The only way they can, the only way they lose is like their own mistakes. Okay, there's not a company that's starting today in a garage that can beat Google. Google can beat Google. Okay, that's it. Okay, government can't stop Google. Oh, yeah, in China, yeah, Z can stop things. But in the United States, for now, only Google can beat Google. And therefore, put that fucking story to rest. Tell me what you're going to build. And how can you get profitable and, and fast? And what's evaluation under these new metrics that make sense for both of us? And that's how things will start over again. But and right now it's me yelling in the dark about like where things should be that, that, that and a nickel's worth the nickel. So you just got to kind of, so I'm building, so you got to build, I'm excited enough about web three to try it myself finally. And, and because I don't can't use any of this stuff, it's too complicated. I got to like build a web three company that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you, I think hopefully by doing, we inspire other people to like make it even better, but like to, it's not ready for prime time. And maybe there is no prime time. Maybe it's just a feature, like I was saying today. Maybe it's just supposed to be like a feature that makes the web that we currently are on better. Okay. Like windshield wipers make cars better. Like, okay, give me windshield wipers. <laughs> and that guy made a fortune selling windshield wipers, by the way. He's a licensed company. He didn't have to build a base. So, so maybe Web3 is about like really cool ideas that sell for tens of millions of dollars by one person. Okay. What's wrong with that? Like, I mean, that's just a cycle and that's what the web three probably is. No, no, but every, but listen, Howard, every, every, uh, every, every money person looks at each entrepreneur like, Oh, are you an empire builder? Like, come on. Web three has to be a platform. I mean, yeah. you, come on, man. Like a feature. What, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that by, we all got caught. I mean, I'm not like, I haven't made mistakes, but I, by actually using the stuff, I realize it ain't ready. So therefore, yeah. if I'm really serious about it, what would it take for me to start a company? And so I'm doing it just like I did Wall Street, just like I did Stock Twins. And so here's the lesson. I won't be a billionaire. I just, I don't have the skills or the risk profile to be a billionaire. And I think that goes to staying in the game. It's like, okay, well, I can stay. Knowing that, I'm not going to be Bill Gates. And by the way, seeing Bill Gates in, in, and um, Elon Musk and Amazon, Jeff Bezos live their life, eh, it's not that good. I mean, they're still getting divorced. They're still yelling on Twitter. Uh, the media still hates them. One of the... Yeah, no. One of the funniest things about a uh, richer, wiser, and uh, and happier in uh, from from William Green is he showed it. I think he showed it to Charlie Munger, and he was his first comment was like, "All these guys are divorced." <laughs> That's the common thing across. That. Saying, you, maybe, yeah, you know, I'll just say, be said. Maybe people, everybody, maybe there shouldn't be marriage. 
So I'm not going <laughs> to judge divorce. No. But what I am going to say, they're still yelling on Twitter. They're fighting with politicians. I mean, at some point, I get to sit here in my house and, and enjoy and think about life without people yelling at me without a thousand employees. And yes, I won't be a billionaire. Um, and I think, what's wrong with that? Like, what happened that everybody had to be Zuckerberg? It's not such a great life. And so I think that'll come back around. I don't know. I'll tell you, the one thing I am a little jealous of is If you say you're envious of me, you shouldn't be envious of me. I got headaches like everybody else. Like, that's part of the problem. You should just say, how do you, like, you seem happy. So what's the secret? I don't know. There's no secret, but there is a lifestyle that I've chosen that um, is not perfect, but really motivates me to get up every day and love doing my job. And, and I don't get hate and I don't get trolls. And if I do get hate and trolls, it's like, there's a button that gets rid of it. <laughs> I can engage in it and bring everything down and wreck my day, which we're all guilty of occasionally, but there's no, like, those are decisions that goes back to like staying in the game. That is not going to increase your, do you want to be Dave Portnoy and Jim Cramer or do you want to be quiet? And cause I also don't think what's his name? Rap. Uh, those guys are role models. Like what, why are they role models? They're just crowd. They're crowding everybody else out. They're playing their own meta game. I don't trust those two guys. They have great quotes, uh, Munger, and oh, those guys are evil. They're selling Coke and Seize Candy and McDonald's and Goldman Sachs. What is your grandpa? No, he's like an old man. He's just as mean as the other old man. And he's not a role model. He's a role model if you want to be a great investor. Uh, I'll give him that, but I don't want any life advice from fucking Warren Buffett, who's playing cards with Bill Gates. Like, that's not a win. So, again, people need to choose who their idols are. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't have any idols. I have, like, people that mentor me, and I, and I, tr- and I try and not hold them up to such a high regard that I'm going to be disappointed. That's, hey, listen, that's how we know we're, we're part of the tribe. In our Jewish culture, we don't believe in idolatry. So... Maybe there's something well, to be said there. Religion is like maybe yeah. there's something to be said there. I hate being the Bill Maher. I hate agreeing with Bill Maher much these days, but uh, but he's smart. And again, I'm a sucker for smart insights, no matter what the face looks like or the body looks like, if it makes sense, you know. And he's said a lot of smart things over the years, but like the religion stuff, man. You know, it's just been replaced with crypto. It's just a new form of religion, and that's why people hate it so much. It's just like, who's your god? You know, my God, and they form fit these gods every two minutes. And that's just cultish religious behavior. And so crypto is just a new form of religion. And that's why it's struggling. Like there's not going to be one. It's going to be just more splinters and like more crazy, uh, which is fine. But you got to know what you're getting into, which is religion. And it's not cash flow and it's not business. It's who's your church. And uh, I don't think people have come to terms with that. No. And like, like how, how many, many people can get? What yeah. was religion seventh day? You go to Europe and you go to a little Italian town. What's the biggest building you see? It's a fucking church. I'm like, where did, like, so that's what crypto is. It's like, let's build a church, we'll raise some money, and then we'll pray to this thing because it's an inflation hedge. Or we're, you know what I mean? I'm like, what? You don't even know what economy is. You don't even know. What they, oh, and then we're going to start this thing on Discord, which is the most like centralized, uh, awful place on earth um, that wasn't even built for that reason. So again, like, I think like that, but that's the internet. I love it. 
it's just like you got to know how to use it and, right. and why to use it. So I think like we have the new era of religion, which is kind of even creepier than uh, the old religion. And for you, it's more, I mean, you probably, you get so many things thrown at your way. It's just, how do you focus that time and how do you focus that energy on things that, you know, okay, this is, this is truly interesting to me. This is, I think things that, you know, will eventually pan out. Um, but my, and I know we, we have limited time. So I wanted to make sure I got this question in there and you kind of brought it up a little bit, you know, when talking about, you know, your investment in Robinhood and, and the original goal, the really continuous goal is on education side of things. Where do you think? Well, I don't know if that's their goal. That's what well, one yeah. for you, for you, I, I should have said for you, but, but where, where do you think we're lacking right now in financial education and where can we continue to get better? Well, I think that's where fractionalization and Robin had mattered was, and they didn't execute fully on it because there's no custodial. Um, they didn't do like the basics for some reason, but they were growing. So, like, again, like I, when I invested, it was like four people and it was like, I thought, I was like, okay, this could be big. Right. Like some thought we're going to take over the world. Like that's a narrative that gets built like any religion. Um, so, but I don't want to cast dispersion on it. It's nobody's fault. It just grew and it's like morphed into what it is. Right. Like I can't. I can only control what I can control, but I think it's up to, I think it just comes to people. It's a language, right? Like they should definitely learn it. So kids should have like an ability to invest. And that's part of why crypto is kind of cool. It's their own little cookie jar, their own way of seeing the world, their own way of spending money. I'm all for that. Just as long as people like have the guardrails or the mentorship around it to understand these things. But there's no better lesson in the school of losing money. You know, kids are gambling. You don't know they are, but they're gambling on high life. For Christ's sake, I just saw my nephews like betting on what they thought were sure things in high life. Like high life. Well, high life is like 50-year-old sports that like white dudes bet on in Miami. Now kids are doing it on an app. So uh, it fucking blows my mind. So they're learning. Uh, and the best way for them to learn is to lose money. And hopefully they don't lose the whole thing. And the best time to lose money is when they're 20. So the earlier they lose money and feel the sting of it, probably the better. Um, and the earlier they see a bear market, the better. Uh, and the earlier they see a bull market, probably the better um, to get them engaged. So I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's more like child. You got to learn by doing. And I think financial language is just something, unfortunately, you got to learn by doing, which is why I love Robinhood, why I love Twitter and stock twits. It's like, Oh my God, like we got people going. You don't have to stay with me their whole life. You know, I'm not good enough to capture you your whole life because I, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, like, I don't know how to build that. Um, but we can retain, you know, if people can talk about us the way they talk about us, like you, or we got them interested, then we did our job. You know, building a billion dollar company would be, be like, okay, he's got to come back to my site every minute and spend every minute on it. And I, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I haven't figured that out yet. Yep. All right. My, my last question for you, and this is something that I was thinking about, you know, I, I had to ask this to you if I knew I was, if I ever, I was going to have you this on. I had my to hair. This is really my hair. That is really, okay. That's what I thought. Um, but with, when you start, I know we're getting towards the end, but like, I'm kind of taking you like a beginning type question, but I don't care. I got to ask this when you started stock twits, I mean, what was that conversation? Like, did you have an issue with Twitter when, when you had, like, I'm, no, like, I tell my mind. Kept sharing the idea with him, and Fred Wilson was like, "This is genius." And I didn't want to build a company. I just sold my company to CBS. Right. I just 
didn't expect Twitter. We were all making fun of Twitter on our Blackberries back then because yeah. it was just Silicon Valley wasn't a thing yet. Web 2.0 was not a thing yet. It was like the minute it was happening though, right? Because we didn't even have an iPhone. But so I didn't want to start a company. I was like, Twitter should be twitter.finance.com. So I have Jack and Ev. I was like trying to get Fred to explain it to them. And Phil and Soren and myself and Chris were like, we got to come up with a way to like talk about Apple, the stock versus Apple, green apples on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, yep. and that's where the dollars, the cash tag came up. And I it, it, it is clever because that's what Fred Wilson, who is a genius said, like he got a message from him and he goes, this is genius. Like he literally said that. So then I was kind of like the sucker or stuck because I didn't want to start a company. And I, I was just, I don't know how to build this stuff. Like I had done a web show, but now I got to go build a software company. And, and I didn't trust Twitter. I wasn't going to just, we'll use our API. So we were kind of like, damned if we do, damned if we don't. It was, I, I was really hoping that someone would have just, Twitter would have done it. Yeah. And so we started down the path and I raised money and then you're like in it and you had to figure out a way to survive. And Stocktoast was just Twitter for stocks, basically. And then we built our own platform because we didn't trust them. And we were right to do that. 100%. But it would also have been better if they had just understood how their own ecosystem worked. Yeah. And that's just unfortunate for everybody. But it's been a great journey. But it's not <laughs> perfect. Have you noticed a difference between Stocktwit-specific users and then, you know, FinTwit users that are just oh, yeah. on Twitter. Like, what's the big difference? It has more, even though people say FinTwit is useless. Mm. Um, FinTwit is like macro. And I'm like, okay, like anybody who's fake talks about macro, right? Like stock guys are funny. Like, I mean, we're just a weird, 100% degenerate, uh, smart, silly. That's our, our celebrities are the tickers. And so we treat them like we are, we, we are protective of them and we were like mad at them and we like love them. It's an inanimate object that people like have affinity to. The ticker is like a separate entity to the company. And I knew that. And so the difference is more like clubby on Stocktwits and, and Fintwit is, feels fake. And uh, everybody's doing business, like trying to get do business. And, and it's the same on both, sorry, but like, it's just different. I can't explain it. It's very much more like I'm the smartest person in the world on Twitter. And it's very, for me, Stockdose is more like, tell me, tell me, just tell me how this, give me an idea. I'll make the decision. I just want to see ideas all day. Right. Is like it make Stockdose people, if you make the community understand, just share ideas. Don't try and convince me of something. Just share an idea. Something breaking out, something doing this. If I can put a human filter on top of a price filter and I understand, and I trust the human filter, uh, the prices work, but I also like to know who's sharing it. Right. And like how good they are at like recognizing patterns. And you know what I mean? And hundred percent. So that's what I wanted. And there's definitely, that's how I use Stockdose. Yeah. That's how everybody uses Stockdose. It doesn't it trip you out though, too. Like you're seeing more or less, lots of overlapping similarities in these, in these two communities. And yet on FinTwit, I mean, people are, are making careers, you know, from having this kind of Twitter FinTwit 
presence that like even in my experience yeah there were people that had huge followings on stock twins i'm not saying that they can't build careers there but it's but it's different you're seeing i mean so so many of these folks are different but that wasn't stock twitch's role job effort right and i and that's why twitter is undervalued and stock twitch is undervalued that's why communities are a shitty business Mm. because everybody has a different goal in a true community, and that's where Web3 will come in, is like, how do you tie these people together with like benefits? Where they all, whether they behave or not, they're all part of this and they feel like the community grows together. So that's what Web3 will do to Web2, use properly. Web3 should help people build communities that don't, that don't have to be venture scale. And what you get at venture scale communities is a shit show. You get the Nile River, which is Twitter. And you get them trying to create an algorithm to tell you what you like. Like if you're using Twitter on their algorithm, you're not even using Twitter. Like go to Twitter tomorrow and take off the, the home thing and go back to real time. You'll have more fun. You'll learn more. You won't understand half of it, but you'll clean it up and you go create your own journey. Uh, that's the fire hose. And um, Web3 should help people build better fire hoses. And that's why that's all it is. Right. It's more web with better tools. And that's why I'm more excited. But it took me like playing with this stuff to know what what this could be. And so I'm really excited about it finally. But I wish I was younger. I'm so old. I'm like I just, it's it's not it's not fun being old and having all this uh, stuff to do. I'm supposed what? to be on the beach yelling at the TV and seeing I'm supposed to be squared off with the Fox person right now yelling. <laughs> I don't know, man. You don't look at you don't look at my lawn and hate your president. You know what I mean? Like that's that's supposed to be what I was doing. And then if I was an Eskimo, I'd already be left behind. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm trying to wonder why I'm but I'm really grateful to just have these things to at least keep me feeling a little bit younger. 100%. Hey, you mentioned that you've used a few Web3 tools and, that, and you see the, the, what's going on. What are, what are some of the tools that you've used that, that are that? None. I'm just saying I got to use what I have to build a product that I want, which is an NFT that makes sense to the stock Twitch or my communities that I like. So there is like literally nothing. The, the non-fungible token is genius. But to have to buy Ethereum, like we're getting to the point where I can use, if I can use my Apple wallet to buy it, with cash, like come on, that's unfortunate. I know what you geeks want, but this is what I need. How about like you ask what the customer wants? So far, Web three is like you'll eat this porridge at this temperature at this speed and pay those fees. That sounds a lot <laughs> old web, but worse. Uh, whereas Web three to me is like, can you give me some shit that makes Web two better, and then I'll sell it for you and I'll clean up this part of the web for you. You know what I mean? And we'll leave you alone. Okay, well. Isn't that better? I mean, yeah, you may not make a billion, but that was like an amazing feature. Interesting. Yeah. So I think I think you've given me more time than you said you would. I, I really appreciate that. How I mean, the final thoughts. You know, uh, you know where we're at. We're going into the summer. You know, things. It's not as crazy. We're recording this on June twenty second, so this week hasn't been as crazy as last week. What's uh, what's going to be in the uh, uh, on your blog or on in the newsletter this week that that's capturing your attention? No, I'm really fascinated with like, you know, how behind the curve everybody seems to be, but yet the economy's fine. Like I go, I, so the economy's fine, yet we're in a bear market and we're also in a bubble. So it's like, I haven't seen this. So how could I know what's coming next? I'm just waiting like you to just 
not blow up because I literally don't know. And not, not that I ever know, but like I've never been, and maybe it's my age and I'm generally lean conservative because, you know, not conservative politics, conservative financially, Canadian, whatever. And I don't need, I'm not going to be a billionaire. So I'm just more conservative than ever, but I can't, but that's, I'm 56. But so I, and I'm also really feel like I could give you the bearish message and then just at the end go, I hope I'm wrong. But I don't even want to do that because I literally don't know. My gut is we go much lower um, because no one's learned any lessons yet. <laughs> you know, but I hope I'm wrong because I'd like to make money again easily. Uh, so I'm on the same side <laughs> as everybody. I don't want to see the system implode. It already has imploded. You know, like we got to rebuild. So I don't know what implosion means at this point. Like everybody losing their money. Why would that be good? Right. You know, so so I think people should be extra careful. And if someone's in your face telling you to do something, really rethink to maybe do the opposite at this moment in time, not just take note, like almost do the opposite. Like everybody seems so confident right now about the world's coming to an end or this is the bottom. And that just doesn't seem likely. It just seems like this is a weird time. Like I said, bear market bubble and a good economy. Uh, but then you also have a war in China dark and Russia dark. So the games change, the board size change. Um, so that shrinks valuation. So I think the most important thing is we're in valuation shrinkage. And the public market's saying it, the private market's having. So everything's being compressed. Now either, so something's got to give. Right. And that could be good, but like the odds are it's going to be much worse. Well, I think that's a great place to end it right there. Uh, Howard, where where do you want people to go? What, what, what would you like to play right now? You Panic with friends, uh, uh, your website? Yeah, go to howardlinson.com. You can see okay. my podcast. You can sign up for what you like. It's all free. And on Twitter, I'm a little more silly. On StockTwits, I share like stuff that I'm doing. Uh, my blog, I take like talk about more wider range of stuff, but mostly financial and uh, family and then on my podcast it's really smart people like that like oh, yeah. conversation there's no script sometimes we don't even get to the point of why this guest was on but i, I know the person <laughs> and i'm really interested in what they're doing and, and you see what happens very cool well howard thank you so much for joining me today that, this was really awesome good luck stay safe and i look forward to, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to talk again yeah great conversation thanks this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker-dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast podcast.